<coughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> I did that yesterday, and everyone was like, how can you cough on stage? Uh, I have to talk. I have to clear my throat. Good morning, everyone. Um, we're thrilled today to have Jack Dorsey, the, uh, the CEO of, of Twitter, with us. Let me start with the uh, disclaimers and the disclosures before we get started. Please note that all important disclosures, including personal holdings disclosures and Morgan Stanley disclosures, appear on the Morgan Stanley Public website at www.morganstanley.com forward slash research disclosures, and they're also available at the registration desk. Some of the statements that Twitter will make today will be considered, may be considered forward-looking. These statements may involve a number of risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially. Any forward-looking statements that Twitter makes are based on assumptions as of today, and Twitter undertakes no obligation to update them. Please refer to Twitter's Form 10-K for discussion of the risk factors that may affect actual results. Jack co-founded Twitter in 2006 and returned to be CEO in September of 2015. And as everyone, I'm sure, is aware in the room, Jack is also a co-founded Square, where he also serves as the CEO and the chairman. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for coming. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Sorry we made you wait a little bit. No, it's, uh, it, it's, it's all good. Um, there is, um, there's, always a lot of, um, there's always a lot of controversy around the, around the space, around the name, and around the, the, the sector and everything kind of going on. I guess I, I wanted to kind of start with just the kind of the four objectives you've already talked about for 2020. You've talked about increasing development velocity and trust, the, the health of the conversations, the revenue durability, and then essentially the fourth is enabling everyone to, to work and communicate more on Twitter everywhere. And so I wanted to sort of start out with just two of those and a little bit of self-grading of where you think you've made the most progress and where there's still the most need for help. First on the health, uh, where have you made the most progress? What do you still need to fix? And on the revenue durability, sort of the same idea, areas where you've had the most progress, and how do you think about key steps to really improve the revenue durability going forward? Yeah. Um, so, so health has been a, a priority for us uh, for, for a few years now. And the number one um, initiative within that is the integrity of the conversation around the elections. And it's not just this election coming up in the United States, it's elections around the world. And we've had a lot of experience with elections around the world that we've learned from, that, we can, that we've benefited from in terms of our approach going forward. So a lot of the, um, a lot of the, uh, the, the, the significant point that we're dealing with right now um, is misleading information and having a handle on, the, on misleading information. This is not just a Twitter problem. This is an Internet-wide problem. Um, there's a lot of knowns on the abuse and harassment side, and we've made a lot of progress addressing those. We've applied machine learning and deep learning to the problem much more cohesively, and that has allowed us to automate uh, a bunch of the things that were mechanical in the past. For instance, uh, we've had uh, a, a close to over 50% um, detection of tweets and content that go against our terms of service, automatically identified on our platform, and then sent to review uh, from a hu human agent. So what that means is we've removed uh, a lot of the burden of reporting abuse and harassment. Misleading information is an entirely new vector, and the, the, the challenge here is that the technology to create misleading information content is moving much faster than the technology to detect it. So the approach that we're taking is one of pairing uh, machine learning and automation to help identify interestingness 
and bubble that up to humans for reviews. We have a great team called our curation team that is responsible for moments and looking at hashtags and combining hashtags that make sense to combine, um, looking at what's, what's trending and, and what uh, is not trending for uh, reasons of, of gaming or whatnot, and, and always on it. So we're trying to pair the technology with human insight and creativity to make sure that we get to better answers. We're also looking for opportunities to better inform people about when information is contested and give them sources to make up their own mind as well. We're starting with uh, manipulated media. Uh, we recently uh, released a, a policy around manipulated media. This is videos or images, whatnot. And we did so in, in I think, a, a very good way, which is we opened it up for comment first. We drew from um, information and feedback from NGOs and uh, civil society and experts and researchers around the field, um, baked that into the policy going forward, and, and I think have a, a pretty strong uh, element. But misleading information is one of those things like security where you can never really reach perfection. You can only be 10 steps ahead of the adversarial parties um, trying to game the system and, and trying to shift the, the conversation. So uh, misleading information remains our top within health. Um, on the revenue side, uh, we've been talking about um, rebuilding our core ad server. We made a ton of progress in 2019 and, and starting in this year, and we should be complete with uh, the, the work to rebuild the ad server by the first half of this year, which is a huge milestone for us and long overdue. And, and what this ultimately means is that we can then move much faster. Our, the, the thing we're optimizing for is developer agility. Because if we can enable our developers to move faster, they can run many more experiments. They can launch features much faster. We can work with our um, advertisers and agencies to test new things, learn very quickly, and then integrate those learnings into a product that is actually long-lasting and durable. Um, the second aspect of our, our ad work is around direct response. And we're starting with MAP. Uh, this is uh, mobile app promotion. Um, we see a lot of uh, developers out there wanting to promote uh, their apps, and we focus a lot of our energy on just making that a great experience. But this is just the start of a strategy to getting our business to be much more performance-oriented. Uh, this has been a huge ask uh, for our advertisers, um, and we're f we finally have line of sight to it. Uh, so we have been working for some time on, on MAP, and we expect to finish that work uh, this year as well. And finishing that work means we're developing a whole lot more agility, we're adding more robustness to the current product, and we're adding some new features, but more importantly, we're adding our ability to move much faster to iterate it and get from MAP to a much broader performance aspect. So there's a lot of balls in the air, a lot of moving pieces, and uh, sort of yeah, there, there never really is, at least from, from my perspective, a, a shortage of controversy. I know we were, I was talking with someone in our team about this right before uh, we got on stage, um, including some, some recent public scrutiny about sort of the, the company, et cetera. So I guess from, from your perspective, what do you think is sort of the most misunderstood aspect of, for investors, what's going on at Twitter, on the opportunity, and sort of your, your response to any of the, the scrutiny? Um, I, I, I think... Um I think the biggest, I don't know if it's a misunderstanding, but um, the biggest um, element that we've been dealing with is, is five years ago, we had to do a really hard reset of this company. And 
that takes some time um, to actually build from. Our first two years, uh, we had to do some really, really hard things. First and foremost, um, as, I, as I talked about during my first earnings call, we had to ensure a much more disciplined execution, and that meant a lot more focus um, on a single job that we were great at because we were a company that was try attempting to be too many things to too many different people, trying to serve way too many jobs. So we focused the company on just one, increasing our um, execution and, more importantly, our accountability about serving that one job. Um, we were too big as, as a company for what we needed to do with that one job. So we made a bunch of tough decisions to get really, really focused. We also, the second point I brought up is we needed to simplify the service along that one core job. And that one core job was keeping people informed. A lot of people saw Twitter as the way they uh, understood what was happening in the world. We want to be a place, we want to be a service that people at least have a first consideration of, of waking up, up to to see what's, what's going on and it being a credible source uh, that people ultimately learn from. And we had to remove a bunch from the product and we had to evolve the product to make it much more simpler to approach uh, along that job path. And then third, we needed to give people a better understanding as to why they would use Twitter in the first place. One of the, one of the magical but also complex aspects of Twitter is I imagine that every single person on this planet has seen a tweet at least once in their lifetime. And the majority of them have not seen that tweet on our app, our service, or our website. They see it in media, uh, they see it in newspapers, they see it on television. It's very, very hard for us to calculate the reach of Twitter and the impact of Twitter. So our job is to really give people a strong reason why Twitter, the app, Twitter, the service, Twitter, the website is the better place to see all that. And it's the fastest place, but more importantly, um, you can engage with it in a way that you can't through television or through uh, news. And hence, our focus on conversation uh, and engaging people into that conversation, whether it be a short reply or, or, or a debate. So a lot of our decisions in the past have been towards that goal of not just being that one job of keeping people informed, but getting them to a position where they can actually talk about what's happening as well. And we, we made the majority of our, our progress uh, on that last year, um, but that work started two years ago when we uh, further refined the company's objectives, not just, to be, not just to be about showing people what's happening, but also to talk about what's happening. And the, on the point of new products, you know, there has been a, um, a, a slew of new products you've sort of rolled out over the course I would say 2019 and even in 2018, 2019, between uh, the, the beta app, uh, TWTR, the explore tab, reordering the, the order of the tweets, topics, lists, et cetera. Um, you, know, you mentioned the, the number of people who, who see the Twitter data or are exposed to it every day. Which of those products that you've rolled out, and maybe it's one I didn't even mention, do you, sit, do you look, sit back and say, this has really led to faster user growth, has led to better onboarding. Which new product have you rolled out? Have you really seen sort of improve the overall user growth and the experience for the users? Well, I mean, we get a lot of critique about how the pace of development at Twitter is slow. And I think the expectation is that more changes on the surface. But the most impactful changes are the things that happen under the surface. And what I mean by that is relevance. 
we, we didn't add the ability to rank our timeline by relevance until five years ago. We were not applying machine learning in the core product itself. We were putting it in a module called In Case You Missed It or uh, behind something called Instant Timelines. And we were avoiding the bigger, harder issue of looking critically at the timeline and understanding how to save people time to get to something that was much more meaningful. So the biggest impact has actually been applying machine learning and deep learning to the timeline, to where people spend the majority of their time. Um, and the goal here is that when people come to Twitter after two hours, they're not scrolling through thousands of tweets to find something meaningful or engaging. They see it right at the top. And as they scroll, they, they can see everything. As they refresh the timeline, they see everything and they go back to recency. But it saved a bunch of time and it got tweets to people that otherwise would have, would have missed them. So that has been hugely impactful and it's one of those things that just continues to compound as you refine it. The other aspect is notifications. We were, we were somewhat scattershot with how we inform people something new was happening on the platform. Um, we've gotten a, a much greater discipline around that work. Mm -hmm. um, they're much more informative. They're more useful. Um, they're not trying to game just to get people back to the service. Uh, they actually come with value. And we see that in the data. So those are the biggest things. Um, We've, we've done a number of uh, things that, again, look small, but were really impactful. The move from 148 characters to 280, the critique is, well, you just double the character count. That's not really innovation. Um, but it was one of those sacred cows that led to uh, a bunch more permission around the service to, to look critically at what we're doing. And the move to 280 was, was interesting in that if you look at the organic tweets going out, and those are people who are just tweeting uh, from a blank box, those tend to average still under 140 characters. But if you look at replies, if you look at conversations, those tend to go over 140 characters. And what we think that did is it enabled a lot more nuanced conversation. It also had the effect of starting to minimize some of the abuse and the harassment we saw, because in 140 characters, it's really hard to be nuanced with with double that, um, you can you can get to uh, a conversation that um, can show a little bit more empathy or openness or civility. So these these things that look quite small end up being extremely um, impactful as they compound over time and, and affect the service. That's helpful. So the of the changes you made, so the the relevance, the uh, the notifications, and then the the character changes. So help us. Help us understand when, when you're analyzing what's going on in the platform internally, what are the what are the KPIs that you really focus on to make sure that the platform is sort of growing and evolving the way you hope it to, to evolve? And then from us from an external perspective, you know, what should we be focused on to ensure that the platform is actually growing in a way in which you're gonna really be able to generate sustained value for shareholders? We're I mean we're we're looking at MDAU. So and the reason why is we want to build a, a service that's valuable, valuable to people every day, mm -hmm. not just on a monthly basis. Um, again, I, you know, we want to build a service that people, as they wake up and they're wondering what's happening, Twitter is the first consideration. As they go to sleep and they wonder what happened, Twitter is the first consideration. So, so that ultimately is the goal. Um, second to that is 
we do believe a lot of our value is not just informing people about what's happening, but also enabling them to talk about it. And um, the challenge that we found is that a lot of people go to Twitter, um, they mainly consume because they feel they don't have something to say to the world. They believe that tweeting is talking to the world and, and they just have nothing to say or fear that for, for various reasons. So a lot of our goals are to make sure that the room feels a lot smaller. And the room can feel smaller if it's a topic that is relevant to them. A topic might be this neighborhood in San Francisco. It might be um, their own political party. It might be uh, machine learning or something around cryptocurrency. Something that feels like they're not talking to the whole world, but they're talking to a group that's interested in the same things as, as them. And that, to me, gets at what Twitter is best at. It's not purely a social network. It does not benefit from the address book you have in your phone or your former classmates or your, your current coworkers. It benefits from your interest. I'm interested in this, and there's all these interesting people around this topic that I can now learn from and engage with and have a conversation around. That is the magic. And the more of that feeling, that, that, that magic that we can spread to more of these niche interests and communities, the, the better. And that helps fuel our, our business. Um, so with the advertising business, as we get to more signal around these interests, um, as we get people more comfortable in conversing, we have a much, much larger canvas um, to, with which to match our advertisers with uh, would-be customers, current customers, um, or, or past customers that they, they want to re-engage. Our, our advertising uh, strategy thus far, mainly on the brand side, has been to launch something new, which resonates deeply with our advertisers, and then to connect with what's happening. And what we mean by that is there might be a conversation already going on about a particular product or service or event that our advertisers can then match because the conversation is happening, it's enriched, and people are open to new introductions to new products or services and companies. Are you able to do that now? On the, that last part you mentioned, can you do that now from an advertising perspective, or is that something to come once you get the new ad server and everything built out? We're, we're able to do that now. Um, I think uh, both the Super Bowl and, and Disney Plus were, were great examples of both. Um, so the Super Bowl and the connect with what's happening category of this event is, is huge. Uh, we, um, we saw a lot of advertisers connect immediately to the conversation as it was unfolding in real time. Uh, Disney Plus was a great example of launching something new where um, they had an entirely new product, in, in this case an app, um, and um, they not only were able to launch it in a fairly innovative way, but they also benefited from a lot of the conversation and the natural viral spread of what people found within the app when they downloaded it. So that, um, that, that just continues to create this um, very virtual cycle of, I see this thing, I download it, wow, it's amazing, I'm going to talk about it. And that's, that's the cycle we want to we bring. As we rebuild the ad server, as we rebuild MAP, mm -hmm. it gives us more opportunity to experiment with new capabilities and new features that allow an even richer experience uh, for the advertiser and for, and for the individual. I want to ask about uh, coronavirus. It's a difficult situation to be going through. Um, I know it's hard to predict sort of, you know, what, what the next hour or the next day is going to bring, but just sort of even given the, the size of your Japan business, um, I just sort of wanted to ask, you know, what, 
what can you tell us about sort of what you're seeing to date? And then how do you think about sort of the impact from both an engagement perspective and an advertising perspective as you go throughout the course of the year? Well, it, it's really it's really too early to tell um, the app impact on our on our business, but um, there are two things that uh, we're doing to make sure that um, we're ensuring um, better information around what's going on and, and also the health and safety uh, of people around the world and, and also our folks. So, first and foremost, um, people are talking about um, the coronavirus a lot on Twitter, and this is challenged by potentially misleading information. So it goes back to that number one priority in, in health. But um, people are struggling to find um, where the latest updates are and where the best information is. So we're doing two things within the product, uh, and these will continue to evolve. One of the moves we just made is we have a, a pretty phenomenal um, module called What's Happening that we've traditionally put against uh, breaking news events or sporting events, um, and coronavirus and everything happening around it definitely fits into those categories. So we've now put that module at the top sticky at, in everyone's timeline. So if you go to the timeline today, you scroll all the way up, you should see a full recap of everything happening with the coronavirus. And this is both um, a pulled from automation, but also our curators as well. And if you look at it, you'll see a summary of everything to, to, to date. You also see the latest uh, tweets about everything that's going on, and you'll see the top commentary from experts um, that have been chosen uh, to, to push into those tweets. So we think that will, will is, a, is a step in the direction. The other, the other thing that's going on is any time that someone is searching for anything related to coronavirus, they tap on a hashtag that's related to coronavirus. Right at the top of those results, we put a call out to the CDC website or um, the, the relevant local um, Center for Disease Control within a particular market. Um, so that's on the, on the service side. There's a lot more that we're looking at that, that we can do that we think will be informative and helpful. On the internal side, uh, we, we just announced um, on Monday that we strongly encourage our employees around the world, all of our employees around the world, to work from home if they can. Um, we've been talking about decentralizing the company for, for quite some time. What that means is moving to a much more distributed working model, inclusive of people working from home, but working across the, the, um, around the world uh, throughout our offices, and, and how do we do that in such a way that it does not impact our execution, does not impact our pace? So we've been talking about this, and we were very, very pre prepared to make the switch to finally do this and, and to encourage people to work from home and, and take precautions to minimize the, the potential spread uh, of the virus uh, out of an abundance of, of caution and care. So. Um, we, 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 on Tuesday, we had a, uh, a global all-hands, uh, and I think it was one of our best all-hands at, at Twitter. It, it, it just en enabled uh, so much more participation. It was very, very clear, focused, and it, it worked flawlessly. So I do think it's important, um, and I'm sure many of you have talked with uh, newer companies. Uh, every single entrepreneur I speak to these days around the world is starting their company with an intention of being fully distributed and fully remote. So this is a, a newer expectation entering in the workforce that I do want to work from home. I don't want to work in San Francisco. I don't want to have to travel uh, to, um, to, to work for this company. I don't want to uproot my family 
to go work for this company. And the technology finally exists for us to, for us to do this. So um, it's unfortunate that this crisis has forced us into this, but really fortunate that we were prepared to do so. I love working from Texas. Uh, that's where I live. Um, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense from an engagement perspective. I even find myself using Twitter a lot more over the, the past week. I, I think you're right in sort of it being the, the go-to place to, uh, to get sort of daily updates. That's good for engagement. Um, it sounds like for the most part the last few days, you know, investors are always trying to figure out, are the advertising market seeing any weakness yet? Um, typically, engagement is good for monetization across platforms. I guess is on the advertising side, is it too early to tell? And is there any reason why the stronger engagement wouldn't lead to higher monetization? I, I think it's too early to tell. But, I mean, we, we're, we're completely aware that um, people are more and more coming to Twitter to figure out what's going on yeah. with this crisis. Um, and we, we want to, you know, balance that responsibility uh, with our business, and I think the company has proven uh, throughout that that we have the capability to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but this this kind of goes back to the point of, you know, our number one goal on the revenue side is to increase durability, yep. to not be so dependent upon one thing working and being and and that it being stable. But we have choices. We have things that may diminish, and other things can rise in their place. So as we look forward um, three to five years out. The most important thing for us as a company is to increase that, that revenue durability, and that that means that that means experimenting with with new models um, that also complement the advertising business. And I'm I'm proud to say that we're finally at a state as a company we've we've done so much work on our foundation as as a company. We've done so much work on our foundation from a technology perspective. So we're finally at a position where we can start experimenting a lot more, and we can start asking the questions that many of you have probably had in your mind, things like contribution models, tipping models, commerce models, payment models. Um, these are all things that we just could not prioritize in the past because we had to sequence it behind getting back to usage growth, uh, getting more stability uh, and a clear message around our advertising uh, business. And, and proving it. Um, and last year was a really big year for us where everything started to align and compound into the, the results that we saw all last year and into this year. On the, uh, the, the revenue durability point, you've, um, you've made a series of changes to, to the ad business over the course of the last year. I guess I'd be curious for, for two questions. One, what area do you think you've improved most from an advertiser pitch perspective over the way you're sort of addressing advertisers? And then two, after we get through the, the new advertising architect architecture with the ad server, what are one or two of the biggest areas you're most excited to try to fix, to really bring more advertisers and more dollars onto the platform in second half of 20, 2021, et cetera? The, uh, the, the, the message that has resonated the most is this message of launch something new with Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, the second one is connect with what's happening. So people see Twitter as this incredibly open conversation platform. Things are being talked about all the time. How do I insert myself into that conversation in the appropriate way where people are open to considering a new introduction, uh, open to considering uh, a new product and, and a service? The, the launch something new has, has been powerful from us for, from day one. Uh, starting Square 10 years ago, I was so happy that something like Twitter existed because we launched that company 
on right. Twitter. Right. We hired our folks on Twitter. Um, we got customer feedback about how we're doing on Twitter. So I saw it myself uh, in, in launching a company, launching something new, and, and every single feature going forward uh, was, was similar. Um, even as we started um, um, new products like Cash App, it is entirely Twitter-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, we've experienced this from multiple angles and multiple sides, and it gives us a lot of insight on what's working, what's not working, and how to evolve this in the future. In terms of where it goes and, and where we can add um, the greatest strength, I think it goes back to, to map and, and performance. Um, so, so map, as I said, is an introduction to that roadmap. Uh, it's something we want to make magical for our advertisers. It's something we want to make relevant to the individuals using Twitter every single day. Um, and there's a ton of innovation within that. But first and foremost, we do need to work on rebuilding that. And I'm happy that this, this, will, this work will be done this year. And the greatest thing it will give us is agility um, so that we can move much faster, we can learn much faster, and we can experiment again, um, which uh, now we just have such a stronger foundation with which to do so. That's helpful. I want, one, of the, one of the important sources of uh, engagement on a lot of the platforms is video. Um, so it's sort of a, a two-part question on video for you. Um, one, what types of video have resonated best with your users right now? You know, where are you seeing the most success in driving video engagement and video monetization? And then as you sort of think about going forward, philosophically, how, what do you need to invest in on the video front to make sure that Twitter's video offering is differentiated versus other online video platforms? Um, so we also get a lot of critique and feedback. Why don't you just a video tab and show off all the best videos on Twitter. And we, you know, we've tried experiments like that in the past. Way back in the day, we had a, a tab, um, uh, not a tab, but an area dedicated to commerce mm-hmm. where, where people were selling things. And the problem with that is it's not integrated into the main line experience. It's not integrated in the, into the timeline. It doesn't benefit from a direct connection to the tweets. Mm-hmm. So everything that we look at is looking at how we can really have a direct correlation to the tweets, where people spend the majority of their time. And, you know, tweets are brief, they're short, they're fast, um, and where we see the greatest value is video in the same light. So we see a lot of short-form short video um, that does extremely well on the platform. Uh, it fits our model uh, very, very well. It allows people to skim and allow for serendipity to take over and, and, and dive into it. And our advertisers um, have done some amazing things uh, with video and continue to be very, very innovative. Where I think our strength is versus our competitors is that element of conversation. And how do we make video a lot more conversational? Those are the questions that we're, that we're asking ourselves. We certainly generate conversation because of video. Um, it's, it's, it's how we better integrate that and how it's not just an after-effect reaction, um, but actually fuels it and is seen within it. The only other thing I would say is I think we, we sometimes get over-indexed as an industry into particular formats instead of looking at the use cases. If you start with a use case, then you have a much broader horizon of potential solutions and potential formats that would serve that. For instance, people might only have a minute to check Twitter. And in that minute, a video 
would probably be the worst case for them to catch up on what's happening because we can read really fast because it allows us to skim. Right. But if I'm sitting on a couch and I'm sitting back and I have a little bit of time and I have headphones, a video is much better. Um, so it, it's really just a, a question of the context and the use case that people are trying to use us for and delivering against that. But if we get too over-rotated on more video or more text or more images, we miss a significant opportunity and we've put ourselves in a box of it. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we've looked deeply at the use cases and, and the jobs we're being hired for and why, and then looking at all the solutions mm -hmm. to, to solve the problem that, that that person has. I have one more and then I'm gonna, we will open it up to audience Q&A so the, the mic runners are back there. there there are a lot of moving pieces with, with the strategy, to your point, and sort of uh, first get the ad server out and then and the infrastructure, and then after that, you know, really focus on faster development and faster go-to-market because of the better ad server. So you've talked publicly about the, the margins and sort of the, the investment dollars this year. Help us sort of better understand over the next two years where the most important hiring has to be done. You know, ad sales, engineering, how are you sort of thinking through in your head the cadence of when you need to add more engineers versus more salespeople to make sure that you have the right bodies to execute on the infrastructure? We've, uh, over the past two years, we've done such an amazing job in hiring. Like we're getting people that I would have never imagined us getting four years ago or even three years ago. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have some pretty phenomenal engineering talent. And I, I will say that some of this has to do with our, our focus on you don't need to move to San Francisco. You can stay in New York. You can stay in uh, Paris. You can stay in London. Um, enabling more options for how we work together gets us a lot more potential. Um, we've also, a lot of the stances that we've taken re recently have brought out people who want to be at a company that has a lot of purpose and stands behind what they say and is looking to make you know a truly positive impact not just in our words but also in our actions as well. Um, so I would still say that engineering is is the most critical need. Um, we've increased our uh, machine learning and deep learning and artificial intelligence capacity uh, in in such an impressive and impactful way that now every conversation is starting with that, whereas five years ago, zero conversations were starting with that. Mm -hmm. We were just so behind our, our competitors and, and our peers in the market. So uh, engineering remains, remains my focus. Everything else follows from that. Got it. Time for one question in the audience from Jack. There's one over there. I think f for existing users, the, the improvements in the product are clear. One of the challenges Twitter's had over time is, is onboarding new customers or new users and bringing them into an environment where, where they're getting engagement and not just being thrown in and yelling into the void. So as the product improves for existing users, what are you doing to improve uh, both the onboarding experience and then the environment they're introduced to? Yeah, and, and I, I don't mean to sound like a broken record here, and this is, this is one of our biggest misses in the past, is onboarding has been a topic of consideration for us for some time. And to be honest and frank, we've never really had a great answer around it. Um, and I think it's because we, we lacked um, a great experience for people to go into. So what we're doing to solve that is 
um, really around interest and topics. We have we have two uh, two areas that we're looking at. Um, one is is topics, and 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 what we're what we're doing here is uh, re um, reworking a product we've had for some time called lists. And people can create a list of uh, experts, for instance, around an area, and then other people can subscribe to that list. Think of it like a, a Spotify playlist, but instead with, uh, with Twitter accounts. Um, those can be shared. Um, those can be altered. And what we did was we pinned that right at the top of folks' timeline so that you can switch from you, who you follow to the list you follow. And that has been phenomenal. Where this potentially goes, and what I'd be excited about, is not just Twitter as a broadcast utility, but Twitter as a narrowcasting utility. And this gets back to that, that question of the rooms. Like if, if I find a list that is very on point with something that I'm interested in, and I, I, I know of the, the accounts and the, and the people within that, um, we want to create an experience where, where people can also tweet into that. And it feels like a very, very small thing, still public, but very small thing. You can also imagine them being private as well. So that's one aspect. The second aspect is um, interest. And all of you by now should have seen uh, tweets that might be related to um, Golden State Warriors, for instance. And immediately after you see that tweet, you should see a call out to follow Golden State Warriors or follow uh, Steph Curry. And within that, now we have permission to inject anything around that, around that interest into your home timeline. So we can inject tweets, we can inject moments, we can inject accounts, um, and uh, that enables us to, to provide a much richer timeline that is actually getting at what you're interested in, in addition to all the accounts that you follow. So the goal is to really work to more perfect both of those experiences and then put them right at the front of the app. There's no reason why you shouldn't open Twitter. We know that you're in San Francisco. Um, we, we have all these signals around what's happening, and we can introduce a list to follow, which gives you a rich timeline right away, or a bunch of interests that you can pick, which also gives you a bunch of, um, uh, a bunch of tweets that you can see. Now, it's early days for that, so it's not to the quality that we want, but this is going to get phenomenal. I, I, think, I think the interest in topic work is probably going to be the biggest impact on the service and the, the thing that will, will, will change the service the most. It won't replace following accounts, but it will contribute in a very healthy way to them. So onboarding, I think, you know, gets much, uh, a much better approach as we have a place that people want to stay. So we've been focusing on the retention aspect first and then introducing new people to it. Great. Um, Jack, you're clearly incredibly engaged with everything that's going on in Twitter. You obviously have Square, and there's been reports that you're looking to travel some more. I'm curious, how are you allocating your time? What are your priorities? And, then, and are there any kind of changes to what you're doing in the next few months because of what's going on in the world? Well, I, I think you're subtweeting my Africa tweet a little bit. <laughs> um, and and, and I'll be frank, I, I made a mistake uh, in, in tweeting that because I did not tweet, um, I did not tweet the why behind it. Um, and there are, there are two reasons uh, I'm interested in, in the continent. Um, 
the, the first is that it will be one of the most populated continents over the next 20, 30 years. Um, it has a very, very young population, and the technology adoption is moving very, very quickly. Um, and we need to understand that. And if you need validation of, of companies like ours and entities like uh, entities out in the world um, who have the same interest, look at both China and look at Facebook. This is a, a continent that uh, promises amazing opportunity, um, and we have a lot of usage in today, and it's going to be moving very, very quickly. Second, I do believe fully in this concept of figuring out how to work in, this, in a distributed model. So my intention is not to go over and just hang out or take a sabbatical, but actually everything I'm doing in San Francisco, doing on another continent. If we can figure out how to not be burdened by time zones and instead take advantage of them in our development model and increase the pace of our execution, that's a huge win. And as I said earlier, that is what every single company I'm meeting these days is intending to do. And again, the technology is available. However, everything happening in the world, um, particularly with coronavirus, I, I have to reconsider um, what's going on and, and, and what that means uh, for me and for our company. Um, but we'll, we'll keep people better updated, and next time we give updates on this, I'll explain all the whys as well and, and give a much deeper context into it. Otherwise, um, I, I have enough flexibility in my schedule to focus on the most important things, and I have a good sense of what is critical in both companies, and I have amazing teams working. And, you know, for the, for the first um, time in our history at Twitter, it feels like we have so much focus that we can ignore a bunch of the noise and continue to just work and work and work and make it happen. And that was not the case in the past at all. Great. Hi, Jack. Thank you very much. This is great. Thank you all. Thank you.